0: probably nobody else has noticed it, but I've noticed it just simply because of the circumstances that the 2023 calendar is the same as the 1995 calendar. The only thing you have to change is the year. Everything else is the same. 1995 was 28 years ago. 28 years ago, I was 28 years old. January the 8th, Sunday, January the 8th, 1995, I stepped behind the pulpit as a pastor for the first time. I preached to 35 people that Sunday morning. Excited, and yet I was nervous. Nervous as could be. (laughs) I was used to having more than 35 in my Sunday school class. But those 35 that Sunday morning... Or the circumstances of that Sunday morning is what made me so incredibly, uh, so incredibly nervous. The last day at the job was on Thursday of that week. We moved on Friday. And uh, what a whirlwind that weekend trying to get ready for that first Sunday. I had only preached a few times in the previous years up to that point preached in chapel at UBC a few times just very few preached in uh, at the pilgrim holiness church in madison a few times uh, as i had spent a year a little over a year there i think as a, as a youth pastor under my father in law seems like i filled in a couple of different places in the previous years i went to uh, some different churches i'm not sure if i preached there or not but i was going we were going there to to look at the possibility of moving there for ministry underneath some other seasoned ministers one of them is where caleb is now and one was with mark mowry and uh, if you didn't know that uh Mark Mowry and I have been friends for a long time. We, we go way back. And uh, I don't remember if I preached for Dr. Hodel or not at the uh, Wesleyan Church in, in Frankfurt, but uh, we went there looking at the possibility of going there at one point as well. But um, I taught a lot of Sunday school lessons, but I just hadn't preached a whole lot. Dr. David, he's starting to teach Sunday school. (laughs) You know, you just, just never know, huh? 28 years up to that point in my life, wow. It was a big move for us, a big change for us. We both grew up in the Parsonage, but now that we're moving into the Parsonage, moving into that role as a 28-year-old, it was a big move. It was a big change. There was a lot of things about that change that uh, that were uh, nerve-wracking, maybe causing us some apprehension, and... Uh, not, to, not to even to think really about all of those bills that we carried with us and the uh, huge reduction in income by taking and going to the church. 28 years up to that point. And now as I look back, 28 years removed from that point. 28 years. There's a lot of water under the bridge in 28 years. A lot of things that, uh, that are seen, a lot of things that take place. Lots of people have come and gone. A lot of people come and go in 28 years. A lot of people change in 28 years. A lot of circumstances that are different. In those 28 years, I believe that I can say that I've seen revival and I've seen some struggles. In those 28 years, I've seen some unity and I've seen some divisions. I've seen some hungry new converts, but I've also seen the compromise of seemingly settled Christians who allowed their souls to become lean. Those are heartbreaks. People that I had no idea would go the way they've gone. A pastor friend and of mine and myself was talking on the phone this week, and and that particular side of the conversation brought some tear to the eye as We talked uh, and and shared about those that uh, that have that have fallen from our our ranks, that have moved on from our ranks, ministerial brethren, church members, families, circumstances that have pulled us. Pulled us apart. You know, how did, they be, how did they become lean in their soul? How did they get to the point where, where what we thought was a seemingly settled Christian and there began, there began this process of compromise? And what took place to bring them to that point of leanness? To where they could do and be. Some of them became lean in their soul because they were too busy in life. Too busy. You know, even though a person is busy in the work of the kingdom, we can't forget that being busy, too busy, is being under Satan's yoke. It's a frightening, frightening thought that we can be so busy that we are actually falling under the yoke of the enemy. Some people were leaning their soul because they became critical in their spirit. And Reminiscent about Evansville and the time that I spent there, and I thank God for the opportunity that we had to minister in that particular church and with those people. And, and Jim Burris was a, a saint of all saints. Jim and Cheryl Burris were some of the godliest people you could ever meet. And one of the things that I've heard Jim Burris say a number of times, not just a, a single time, and it was stamped in my memory, memory, but I heard him say it repeatedly that he knew that he was becoming lean in his soul when he became critical of somebody else. Just simply critical of somebody else. He then turned inwardly and recognized that there was a leanness in his own soul. Well, that's a caution. That should be a caution. Some people, some people become uh, compromising even though they were seemingly settled in their Christian experience because they began to judge others with a different standard than that, that what they judged themselves. And if we're really honest, if we stop and take real notice of that, that's exactly what Jesus was saying is the danger of people. And we're all people when he told us about the story of the person that wanted to take the splinter out of the eye of another individual, when that person himself had a large speck, large problem. It's too easy for us to have a higher standard for somebody else than what we do for ourselves. And it creates a leanness in our soul and we find ourselves in a position of compromise. Sometimes people become lean in their soul and they become unsettled in their spiritual lives because they fear the waves. You know, Peter in the Scriptures is a very good example of that. You know, I'm glad the, the story doesn't end with him sinking, but uh, it tells us that he cried out to the Lord, a simple prayer, a very simple prayer, and Jesus restored him. Jesus brought him back. And, you know, that's wonderful. It's grateful. But not everybody comes back when they fear the waves. Sometimes they fear the lions in the den. Sometimes, sometimes they fear the fire. Sometimes they fear the giants in the land. 28 years ago, that very first Sunday morning, I preached uh, about Caleb and, and the mountain that he claimed. Give me this mountain. It's easy to get all, get all caught up in the claiming uh, and forget the key. So "Well, what do you mean by that?" Well, there's something specific about the life of Caleb that stands out that uh, that we can't just simply look at his his uh, boldness to say, "Give me this mountain." As it's recorded in Joshua chapter 14, but there are something that, there's something else that's also recorded about the life of Caleb that gives a whole great big weight to the value of the statement that is made, give me this mountain, and what it meant to receiving that mountain. Joshua chapter 14, the scripture bears out there in in the end of verse number 8 and the final phrase of verse number 9 as well as the final phrase of verse number 14, a key to the life of Caleb. And it's the challenge for all of us even this morning. It's the challenge for all of us this morning. The same challenge before we can even begin to think that we are going to claim the mountain. We're going to have to find this key to be relevant within our lives. You say, well, what is that key? If you have your Bible open, you want to look at it, you can see it. Scripture tells us in verse number 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. And it's Caleb speaking about the people that went up into the land to spy it out. But it says there at the end of that verse, But I wholly followed the Lord my God. The very next verse, Moses, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because you, Caleb, have wholly followed the Lord your God. If we skip down to verse number 14, Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite under this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. That's the key to the life of, of Caleb. That's the challenging part for you and, and me today. As the water rushes underneath the bridge of life and days go on and years unfold and the calendar begins to to flip its pages faster and faster, the biggest thing, the most important thing in our life is that we are found faithful to the Lord God. He's faithful to us. Oh, I appreciate that song. He's faithful to us. The important thing is that we are faithful to Him. It's easy to get caught up in the reality or in the wonderful aspect, the euphoria or even the charismatic attitude of claiming the mountain. A number of years ago, there was a, a great move and a great wave of people that got involved uh, with this thing about uh, Jabez, the prayer of Jabez. It was a, it was a wonder, Books were written about it, and and pamphlets were written about it, and sermons were preached about it, and Sunday school lessons were taught about it, and, and it was repeated over and over again about this prayer of Jabez enlarge my coast, give me a greater influence. Jabez called upon or called on the God of Israel saying oh that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldst keep me from evil that it may not grieve me and God granted him that which he requested. Oh my it was a it was a big wave. The focal point was the blessing me indeed and the enlarging my coast and and that your hand is with me. We didn't really hear a whole lot about the keep me from evil part, so that it won't grieve me part. We didn't hear much about the reality of, of that, uh, that life that is lived and the blessing and the, and the enlarging of the coast being returned to him as a blessing or a glory to God same it is with Caleb and his claiming the mountain. It's easy to get caught up in the, the, uh, the, the charisma of, of claiming the mountain. You know, the phrases of claiming and, uh, and all that. Claiming and taking and, and, and receiving and you know, faith building. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to have faith building. But there's something a little more subtle. Something a little more foundational that we need to understand as well. And that is that Caleb Holy, completely, entirely followed. Caleb completely. Verse number twelve of Joshua fourteen is where it's recorded. Caleb say, "Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced, so it." If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. But give me this mountain. The bottom line of Caleb's life was that he was faithful. It was interesting to read of one... Servant of God of recent years that was also repeatedly said of how faithful she was. And if you haven't read uh, all of those uh, stories and accounts uh, about Sister Irene Maurer, then it'd be a good thing for you to go and read of her faithfulness. to simply faithful to the mundane task and the little task and, and the, uh, the uh, unimportant, portant, important, important task. Ta- uh, task you know what i'm saying those things that oh no I- i'm better than that you know it's not an uh, it's not an important thing but it's, it's very important in the whole scheme of things and it seems as though sister Mauer was was just simply faithful to those tasks I didn't know her very well. I mean, I was just basically an acquaintance. Some of you, a lot of you perhaps, know, knew her a whole lot better than what I could, could ever claim. But uh, she was faithful, it seems. Faithful to go here, faithful to go there, faithful to do this, faithful to do that, faithful to stay behind. How big of a chore was it for Sister Mauer to stay behind and become a faithful prayer warrior? I'd say that was a pretty big chore. Faithful in little and in much. Faithfulness is first revealed in the little things before it's even able to be seen in the big things. Caleb of the Old Testament was very faithful. You go back to Numbers chapter 13, where the story was really beginning to unfold. Verse number 27, and they told him and said, we came unto the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it, and here's the evidence of it. Oh, it's a beautiful land. Nevertheless, the report goes on that the people were strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. It's an impenetrable position. We cannot take it. That was the common report that was of his day. His colleagues his peers but in verse number 30 it tells us there in numbers chapter 13 and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and he said you know Caleb's 40 years old here roughly I think I think that's the the uh, the the understanding here he's 40 years old it's not old anymore Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, how could he say that? How could he say that? Well, if we go back into Joshua, it tells us there in verse number 12, If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. And that's what, what, what uh, Caleb was counting on here in this passage in Numbers when he was facing the opposition of his peers, when he was facing the opposition of his colleagues, and ultimately facing the opposition of a million or more people that were, uh, were falling in line with the ten spies that brought discouraging report or a negative report. Why is it so important that we look at that? It's because we live in a world that is opposed to holy living. It's opposed to integrity. It's it's opposed to everything that is righteous. And it does not matter what circumstance you find yourself, if you are standing holy, serving, and following the Lord, there will be opposition to that because this world is not a friend of grace. Everything that we face outside in this world is in opposition to grace and faithfulness to follow God. We have to be tenacious like Caleb. Verse number 31 there says, but the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we So I want to ask a question in conclusion this morning. Where are you going? Where are you going? Your your choices, our choices, my choices, your choices, they are pointing in a specific direction in our lives. Our choices, the decisions that we make, our choices... I'm convinced that a lot of people don't understand that the circumstances in which they live, the reason why they are living in those circumstances are directly related to the choices that they made yesterday maybe, or even maybe today, this morning, or a year ago, or ten years ago, and those choices have continued to go on and compound, and it's brought them to the circumstances in which they are living now. One moment they're cursing and the next moment they're praying and have no idea that the cursing has laid a foundation in their lives that is unfaithful to God. And so when they cry out to God, they wonder where he is. God's there, God's being faithful, but God's trying to get their attention too. Somehow people think that you and I are just lucky because we've got all of these blessings in life and they can't see that there's also some problems. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The storms come to the just and the unjust. There's still issues and problems. It's just that there's a difference in choices that bring a different outcome in the circumstances of life. Where are you going? The choices that you're making are pointing in a specific direction. Your habits in their daily life are revealing the faithfulness of the heart. Daily habits reveal the faithfulness of the heart. Your faithfulness to completely follow the Lord begins in the heart. And then it shows itself in the daily habits, in, in daily life through habits and choices. So I ask again, where are you going? One of the habits that I believe that we need to recognize here at the beginning of another year is that calendar is, is, is empty before us. We're just barely into this year. And before we know it, we'll be saying the same thing Again and looking at 2024 i know that's that's not a pleasant thought and and i don't want to rush anything but i know i know that it's just getting faster and faster and before long before long this year slips away from us so it's extra vital it's extra important that we recognize the choices that we're making today are going to affect us on the 8th of January 2024 where are you going Be sure to begin each day with some quiet time in seeking God's will. In seeking God's face. Grant Wood is a wildlife biologist out in Missouri. And he does a, a good bit of teaching on YouTube. And I like to listen to him about wildlife and so often he closes out his little his little thing by saying take some time to listen to your creator to find out what his will is in your life i like that because it's important And it's extra important for you and I that profess to be Christian as well that we begin the day by by quietly seeking Him for that day rather than pushing it off. I know that some people say, well, I, I do better at night. Well, there must be some kind of at least a measure of focus in the first of the morning to focus our attention on seeking Him. Seeking His will, seeking His Word, seeking His guidance, not just a passing glance, but an intentional focus and an intentional fervor to know Him, to hear Him, to obey Him. It's then and only then that you and I can claim victory for God's glory. Not for selfish gain not just simply so that I'm receiving God's blessing or that God is enlarging my coast or that your, that God's hand is with me and, and I can brag about God's hand. No, 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 that's not the point at all. The whole point should be and is for the Christian for the glory of God. So that everything that I do, everything that you do, Even if it's as mundane as eating and drinking at mealtime or, well, thank God for the blessing of being able to between meals. We're blessed, but that it's all for the glory of God. What am I trying to say? Faithfulness to follow wholly after God so that we can claim the victory for God's glory in this new year. Let's stand together. Don't think that you're, uh, that you're exempt from the possibility of falling. Don't stand in your own strength and believe that you can get by. It's a daily commitment of following Him, being faithful to Him. <sighs> Angela sang a beautiful song this morning the young man that sang that at Evansville that I recall so vividly, so clearly even today, born and raised in a godly home, is living living with the same-sex individual today. That was the last song that he sang in that church. say, how can it possibly be? It's because we failed to follow holy. The saddest part of that is that there's so many other people that have gone down similar paths and have departed from the faith. Let's... Let's not let it happen among us. Let's be true and faithful to him. I know the storm rages. I know the waves hit hard. The lions roar loudly. The fire gets hot. He's faithful. Let's be faithful to him. Let's be faithful to him. Praise God. Jonathan, would you dismiss us in prayer?